Thank you for joining us. I'm Keith Quinn here with Jeff Long. We are going to talk about charitable giving with Rob Clement and Cleo Holder. Rob is a financial advisor here in our Germantown office, and Cleo Holder is a certified financial planner in Newburgh, Indiana. Cleo is joining us via phone, satellite, or whatever it takes to talk to someone in San Francisco. Cleo, good morning, and thank you for joining us so early. Good morning, Keith. How's it going out there in in the California (laughs) weather? Oh, it's beautiful out here. It's about 65 degrees, the blue skies, and it is uh, an awesome place to be. Oh, the sun is up out there for you. A good deal. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Well, I may have uh, I may have just overstated that just a little. Okay. <laughs> Got to pick up that two-hour differential between us here in Memphis and you in California. Yeah, that's exactly right. It was still sun shining at 930 last night, so it's not quite up yet here. Well, good morning. And Rob. Hello, Jeff. How you doing this morning? I'm doing well, thank you. Good to be here with Keith and you. I, I picked up on you guys talking about the market, and uh, the market is up. It is up. And it's continued to get up over these last years. It has. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's going to tie into one of the things Cleo and I are going to be talking I about. I think it is. And then let's jump right into that, guys, because I know we've got a lot of great information. And we think about charitable giving, but we wanted to back up a little bit and talk about, you know, talk about how we think about money. And, Rob, when you think about this, when you talk about it, I know you talk about the five uses of money. So talk to us a little bit about what that is. Absolutely. And, and these are uses where many times is we we're, we're get our paychecks and we go, okay, how am I going to use this money? Well, it really boils down to five things you can use your money for. First thing is people like, well, I've got to pay my debt now. Right. And then who has their hand out other than Uncle Sam? Oh, God. So it's taxes (laughs) that come out. And the next thing is we say, well, let's pay ourselves. So let's put money back for savings. Very critical. And then it's our lifestyle. Where, Where do we go? What do we do? And what do we enjoy? So our lifestyle takes the other piece of our money. And the last thing is, we say, well, let's give charitably to someplace, either our church or to an organization. Right. Could be a university, but we give it away. So those are the five things, debt, taxes, savings, living, and giving. So we're going to talk about giving today. Right. Uh, you know, since you mentioned about the uh, the market being up, what do you think happens when the market's up from a charitable standpoint? Well, I would assume giving increases. That's exactly right. Giving increases. In fact, about one-third as fast as the market goes up is the way that people give. So it's a, it's a fascinating thing about how Americans are and as far as our generosity. So so if we look back at the market returns, and I think over the last 50 years, the S&P is hovering right around 10%, mm-hmm. that we would think that people give right at 3%, 4%. Yeah, that's a that's a good number that, that we see that. And, and, uh, and some interesting things we're going to talk about, too, is that the cultural uh, perspective of it. Uh, our culture encourages a world today of spend all that you make. And that's concerning Absolutely. for us in this business. It's very concerning. And it, uh, aggressively, I mean, almost the marketing aspect of it is it teaches us to be discontent with where we are in life. So, you know, we begin to look around in that old thing and we look at the Joneses and we say, oh, wow, you know, the Joneses seem to always have it all together. So, our job is to help people understand that their self-worth is not valued at their net worth. Well, let me ask you something. You, you put giving at the bottom of your five items. Right. Five things. Is that subliminal or is that just the way we view it? I think in general, we usually 
say, well, if I have anything left, I'll give it. Uh. But it's not normal uh, in generally speaking that you see people that are generous givers. Now, there are some people that we would say are generous givers and they right off the top, they give it. Now, many people that grew up in the Memphis area and were churched, churches are really great about teaching us about giving. And we use the word tithing there. Yeah, that's but the 10% thing. That's the that 10%. doesn't match up with the 2% national average, does that's it? That's right. No. And that's now that's another interesting uh, statistic about the Memphis area here. Uh, who are some of the places or where are some of the places that Memphians give to and the world gives to? Oh, St. Jude. Exactly. That That's a pop quiz, and you got it right, Jeff. It's St. Jude. St. Jude is known nationally, internationally for its giving. And Danny Thomas started that in 1962. And here we are now today seeing it continue, and what a great research hospital. But millions and millions of dollars every year given to St. Jude Hospital. But here's another little question for you from a standpoint of in Memphis, we have the largest Christian foundation in the nation in Memphis. It's called Hope Christian Community Foundation. And since, they've, since they started, they've given away, well, right now they have over $175 million in assets, and annually they're looking at giving away $30 million annually wow. here in Memphis. So why does that happen? It goes back, Jeff, to your question is that in Memphis, so often— People are churched in some type of denomination or religious group that they're in, and they end up get, being chari- very charitable-minded, and they're very big So givers. you're talking about that cultural difference, you know, yep. and, that, and, and being in Memphis. Cleo, how do you find that plays out with your clients? Do you see that, and how do, how do they view giving? Well, giving uh, to many of my clients, uh, we have to introduce some of that. Now, obviously, uh, those that are um, uh, were raised in some form of uh, church or religious background, they uh, begin to understand uh, that at an early age. But I don't know they take 100% grasp of what that means uh, because, you know, I firmly believe that uh, all money is uh, a gift from God and that it was his in the first place and it's going to be his at the end. And whenever we die, we are just really going to recycle that money back into other people's hands. But so sometimes as a financial advisor, as a counselor, we have to help them um, with their ideas from the standpoint of introducing, have you ever thought about doing something from a charitable relationship and uh, send them home and let them and their wife or their son or whoever talk to each other about, yeah, I really would like to leave some kind of legacy to a charity, something I've worked hard in my life all about, and now I want to help them uh, be able to extend their life through charitable giving. So, um, yeah, I mean, sometimes people are givers, but they also need to seek counsel because they don't know exactly what they can give and where they want to give it. There's got to be a motivation behind any giving proposition out there. You know, I spend most of my days working on financial plans, and a lot of that is tax-motivated. And I think people get a wrong perspective when they hear about philanthropists, like Robin Williams, who just recently died. He was known right. for his charitable giving. <laughs> And and people get the misconception that there's some profit motive when 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 wealthy people give a million or I think Bill Gates even gave the B word and he gave away a billion dollars right. and they think somebody thinks he made money doing that he didn't he gave away money that he could have kept at least half of but he chose to give away a billion dollars 
because he cared about something. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about that? Where does that come from, Rob? Well, the look at what we have in America, again, is that about the high 90s, 95% of all American households give to charity. So, and that's uh, an amazing number, 95%. 95%. So we are, in a, we are in a wonderful nation and a wonderful time uh, that affluence is just all around us. And even the people that aren't affluent, people that come from poverty, and, and we see this, and we're really talking here in Memphis is what we see in Memphis, is you see people, when there's a need arise, they give. They're very big givers. You see people out on the street corner collecting with firefighters with a boot. Oh, yeah. And people dropping money off in that boot. So charitable giving is not – Memphis is one of the best places to live for – to see it lived out every day on the street. And, 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 you know – we talk about charitable giving, and we always think about our back pocket and our pocketbooks and our checkbooks. But money is not all there is to giving. That's you know, right. That's a great I mean, let, let there be a hurricane or a series of tornadoes or something. You're talking about people turning out, and, and stuff begins to appear from everywhere here in this city. I mean, that's we right. Do, we do have a bent toward helping and giving others. So I see that manifested. And, and like I said, it's, it, what else can you give besides money? Well, right. guys, and when I looked, you know, we were looking at this and doing a little research, and, and I kind of always look at the numbers, but uh, some of the numbers are, are just pretty astonishing. When you look at 2013, uh, gave $241 billion charitable giving. $241 billion. That is an absolute huge number. And then, Jeff, you were talking about, you know, what else could you give? When you look at just the hours volunteered, we had over 64 million people that volunteered close to 8 billion hours of service worth another $175 billion. I mean, it just shows the charitable bent of this country, but also the huge impact that that could have. So you think of this, you know, you may not think it's a big deal uh, when you give whatever you're capable of giving, but in total, it's a massive amount of money, and it has to have a huge impact. Well, we were talking about St. Jude a minute ago, and, and Rob, you mentioned something earlier about there's opportunities down there to give besides your money. Absolutely, and that and all you have to do is go on the St. Jude website, and they have a tab right on the front page of the website, uh, and you can drill down and see the opportunities that you can give of your time for St. Jude, and it doesn't have to be just an adult. Uh, it can be a parent or a grandparent taking a grandchild or a child down to St. Jude and uh, having an opportunity to experience and see and find out where they could use you. So I, w- I would encourage that. And not only at St. Jude, but just looking around at, in general, uh, some of the greatest times that we can remember in our family was uh, uh, on Thanksgiving. My wife and I decided that we were going to go down to one of the missions here in town on Thanksgiving. And just give our time. And the kids to this day, my kids are now adults, and they still talk about the times that we went down and just gave our time and served those that needed something at Thanksgiving. So we just need to look around and be sure about it. I think that's a great point, Rob. Uh, We're speaking with Cleo Holder and Rob Clement talking a little bit about charitable giving. Yeah, and I don't want our listening audience to think that we're here this morning just to promote St. Jude. That's right. St. Jude's is just such a high-profile entity here in Memphis. And such a great program. Yeah, I mean, just what they do is phenomenal. You can't help but be enthralled by what they do. But, Cleo, you're in Newburgh, Indiana, which is just adjacent to Evansville, for those who don't know where Newburgh is. 
But do you have a high-profile entity there that people follow? Well, uh, we do, as Memphis has a community foundation there, uh, we do have uh, basically a group of about seven counties that have come together to form a community foundation, and that uh, has been growing uh, pretty uh, pretty well over the last 15, 20 years that it's been uh, in place. Okay, now tell, so, tell, tell me about, uh, that, before you go too far, tell me a little bit about what a community foundation is about. Okay, well, a community foundation is, is a nonprofit organization that's formed by a group of leaders in the community that says that there are many different um, charities out here that uh, could use our help, and we want to focus the community on giving uh, into those different uh, charities, or if an individual uh, doesn't want to set up their own foundation, which can be very costly, tax uh, related, it, it's just very costly. This is a way that they can set up a fund at the community foundation, fund it over their lifetime or at death, whichever they want there. And then they can say, well, I would like so much of this interest being earned off of this account to go to this charity, to go to this charity, to go to this charity, to go to that charity. One of the ones that was kind of unique in our area is um, in uh, Warwick County, the uh, courthouse there was built in about like 1850 or 1860 and had this huge mechanical clock at the top of the courthouse. And so when an individual passed away, he left, I think it was something in the neighborhood of $100,000 to $200,000. So the interest off of that is uh, mechanically goes to take care of that clock because he worked, his business was on the square at the courthouse, and he heard that ring every day on the hour, and he loved that, hearing that uh, the bells go off in that clock, and he wanted to continue it as a legacy to the rest of the community. So there's all kinds of ways to do that, but the, the, the foundations or uh, the community foundations uh, work very, very well for individuals that uh, don't want to set up their own, but can through their community. Wow. So you don't have to be this mega millionaire person that sets up his own foundation and, and doles out money forever. You can participate with your neighbors and yet accomplish the same type of objective. Oh, absolutely. Because now the fund is set up and anyone can contribute to that fund. It's not just a one-time contribution. So I think if I remember right, there's been two or three others that have contributed to that same fund in order for the mechanical workings of that clock to continue over time. So uh, once a fund is established, anyone can contribute to that fund. Uh, there's some other funds out there called donor advised funds, which uh, do some similar things. Let's say that uh, an individual is charitable minded and they're making monthly gifts or even, you know, one-time gifts to maybe 20, 30 different charities. Uh, you know, they may be giving $100 to this one. They may give $1,000 to that one, uh, all of that. Well, they can send one check to a donor-advised fund, and then that organization will push the dollar amounts that have been uh, set aside into each one of those charities. So the donor writes one check 
but then the donor advice fund does all of the distribution upon the request of the donor. So there's a lot of ways that make it simple, easy, and uh, uh, very uh, tax-deductible, all of that for those individuals. Well, now, Cleo, you mentioned a, a very interesting, uh, obviously, key term, tax deductible. Yeah. So tell us what the tax limits are and the impact of that, and why do I need a financial advisor when I'm thinking about charitable giving? Okay. Well, as um, uh, as we mentioned before, sometimes uh, an individual wants to give, but they don't know exactly what it might do to their overall life plan, what it might do to their children, grandchildren, and that uh, they need a financial plan to understand what they can give, and uh, through that, it helps them uh, feel uh, like what they are giving, that they're not taking something away from their family. Uh, typically, there's two deductions that uh, can be given uh, from a tax return standpoint. Um, if an individual is giving away property that has a capital gain built in it, let's say an individual has uh, owned a business, and that business has been very profitable, and the cost basis of the shares of stock he has in there is pretty low. Uh, and if it was to sell the business or sell those shares of stock to a son, a daughter, or even sell it outright, uh, there would be a huge capital gain. Well, he can give those shares of stock to the charity or to the community foundation or any, you know, a, a nonprofit, basically. And then they sell the shares. When they sell the shares, they don't pay any income taxes because they're nonprofit. He didn't pay any income taxes on it because he didn't sell it. He gave it away. And now he gets a tax deduction of up to 30% of his overall income on Schedule A because it's a capital gain property. So it's a win-win for everybody. And the individual is keeping in control uh, the capital that he has and he's designing, he or she's designing where it's going instead of paying the income taxes to the federal and state governments who then will decide where that capital goes. So I'm always in favor for my client to be in control of that social capital instead of the government being in charge of my social capital. Well, I think that's, so a that's great, one way. And that's a great point, Cleo. But I don't know if I'd say it's a win-win for everybody. I don't think the IRS wins, and I worry about those poor guys. Oh, too bad. Well, that, that, <laughs> that, is, that, is, that is the government side of things, by the way. And so uh, you're right. That's exactly right. Now, if they're just giving away cash or they're giving away something that's not appreciated in value and that, they can take up to a 50% deduction uh, from the standpoint of through uh, through their tax return on Schedule A. That And typically people that uh, do uh, tithe to churches or give money to universities or things of that nature and they're just giving cash, then uh, that deduction is up to 50% of their adjusted gross income or gifted property that has appreciation is 30%. So there are some special rules there, and a financial advisor can help sort out what works and what doesn't work and how much and how much not to make sure that those rules are met through uh, through the gifting process. Let's talk about a, a non-recognized charity for a minute. I want, I'm going to take us someplace a little bit different. Do you, would you consider your children a charity, Rob? Well. Go ahead, Cleo. You started. Okay. Well, um, obviously, uh, <laughs> Uh, they are for the first 18. <laughs> at least, brother. At least. Yeah, you've you got to say that. Uh, you know, and for some of us, it's probably up to 25. So, um, uh, 
but yes, they you know in some ways they are. But uh, obviously, uh, you know when you're paying for uh, food, shelter, clothing, and those kind of things, and they're all your own children, those really aren't gifts. They're right. things that we are called to do. So uh, the IRS doesn't think that's a gift. It just thinks that we're responsible for that. Uh, but let's say a grandparent is not responsible for those things, and the grandparent wants to give the child. Uh, money or give, uh, and even uh, if they get older and that wants to give them some money, well, they can give them up to $14,000 a year. The child doesn't report it as income. The parent, grandparent doesn't show it as a deduction in any way, shape, or form. It's just a gift back and forth. Now, let's say that, uh, which I've had a family that this has happened to, um, the son was in college. Uh, and uh, the the parents were paying you know the bills and helping the son through college and that uh, and all of a sudden uh, and the grandparent was also uh, supplying um, money for college uh, and all of a sudden the child got sick and was in a car accident and then was in the hospital almost three four months mm-hmm. had bills of somewhere in the neighborhood of like twenty or thirty thousand dollars in bills. Well, the grandparent decided, came to me and said, what can we do? Because I've already given the $14,000 I can give to the child. You know, if I pay some of these bills or if I do some more things, is that going to mean I have to file a gift tax return and all that? And I said, no, as long as you pay those bills directly to the hospital and to the doctors, those are not considered gifts because they never went through the child's hands. And so the grandfather was able to help pay off the medical bills after he had already made the $14,000 gift to the child. So there are some things that you can do that are not considered gifts to the individual, but you have to be cautious about that, and some special rules apply. Okay. Now, I wanted to go someplace here because I'm going to tie this into the privilege of leaving our property to our children, especially when we die. And this year, the IRS saw fit to take back our ability to give the $125,000 out of our IRAs to charity. That's no longer in effect. Right. And IRAs, TSAs, 401ks, while they're America's favorite savings vehicle beyond their own home, okay, and that's where our wealth resides, it is probably the worst asset for our children to inherit from us because there's no step up in basis. If they inherit a $100,000 IRA, they're going to pay taxes on the $100,000. So I got a quick strategy I'd like to share. Number one, if they inherit your $100,000 IRA, you can probably kiss at least $25,000 that goodbye to the IRS. Okay? Right. So that's not a great deal. I suggest that you consider leaving the $100,000 IRA to your favorite charity, your church, St. Jude Hospital, the college of your choice. They can spend 100% of that $100,000 without paying a dime to the IRS. Keith, you were alluding to the fact we would like to get it away from the IRS. Definitely would. But, Jeff, now you've taken it away from your children, your heirs. Aha. Let's you're not going to give this away while you're alive. You're going to use your own IRA as long as you're there. But right. let's say your $100,000 can throw off, oh, $5,000 a year in income. Okay. You can take approximately $1,000 of that five, go buy a second-to-die life insurance policy on you and your wife that doesn't pay off until both of you are gone. Okay. Okay. Then you can the survivor can leave the $100,000 to St. Jude, per se. St. Jude gets a full $100,000. The life insurance policy pays a full $100,000 tax-free to the kids, 
and the IRS gets zero. Now, if my math works, that's a 200% deal. That is a great way to look at leverage. That is a great way to look at planning. And I think a lot of these strategies, you know, guys, we were talking about this during the break. It's being intentional about your giving, you know, and it's, it's, it's putting that thought into it on the front end. But if you could set up a strategy where you can give away an amount and then double that amount and give it to your heirs and not give anything to the IRS, that is really attractive. And, Jeff, that's just not for high net worth millionaires no, either. It, it really isn't. That's something any of us can pull. And I say pull. Uh, most tax strategies are just that, looking ahead, deciding what it is you want to do, and then looking for the best tax-supported avenue. I mean, the IRS didn't pay that bill. You did. That's right. You agreed to not spend the whole $5,000 a year interest on yourself. You decided, I'm going to forecast some of this over to my children so that I can benefit both them and this charitable event that I, that I want to support. Absolutely. Great points. Cleo, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for sharing your insights and wisdom. Sorry to get you up so early in California. Have a great trip, sir. All right. Thank you, Keith. And Rob, thank you as well. Again, great insights, great stories. Jeff, tell you what, let's take a quick break. Uh, Let's see what Rebecca's got for us on the Mid-South History Moment. And when we come back, we are going to talk to Eleanor Moskowitz and Leslie Hollowell. Stick around. We will be right back. After Britain's defeat in the Revolutionary War, both Spain and the U.S. claimed much of the land east of the Mississippi River and maintained a network of frontier military bases along the Mississippi Bluff. Among the commanders of these bases were such figures as the famed explorers Meriwether Lewis and Zebulon Pike and the 12th President of the United States, Zachary Taylor. What is now downtown Memphis was a Spanish military outpost under the command of Manuel Gayoso. Until the American army took over the site two years later, Gayoso's soldiers manned a fort and surrounding buildings where the pyramid stands today. Although the forts were later abandoned as the frontier moved further to the west, the legacies of the men who commanded them made a lasting imprint on our cultural heritage, including the names of our streets and landmarks. Those who walk Gayoso Avenue today Trace the footsteps of some of our nation's most revered icons. This has been another Mid-South History Moment, brought to you by Shoemaker Financial. Thanks for joining us. I'm Keith Quinn here with Jeff Long. We're on AM 990, the voice of Memphis. And now we're joined by Eleanor Moskowitz and Leslie Hollowell. Good morning, ladies. Welcome, ladies. Good morning. Thank you. Great to have you both here. Now, I know we want to talk about the Beth Moore event, so let's start with the basics. For those of our listeners who don't know who Beth is, who is Beth Moore? Uh, You know, (laughs) Beth is a phenomenal Bible teacher, but she has more of a passion for just really interacting with women and to... To get them knowledgeable of God's Word, to get them to be self-feeders of God's Word, and to grow them, to help them grow spiritually in their walks with the Lord. That is fantastic. I got onto the website and looked a little bit at the mission statement. And the first line on the mission statement, we believe that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. Jeff, what do you think? Amen, brother. Amen. her, Her books lie around my house. We have had her video conferences at church. I know about her, but uh, confess with you, I'm a guy. (laughs) (laughs) And I didn't go. So, I mean, this focus on women 
Yes, How sir. deep does that run? Um, this is her 17th year to do Living Proof Live Memphis wow. um, underneath Lifeway. And so that is just her passion. I, I remember when I was 24, and we'll not say how long that was. Um, <laughs> Three but, years ago. Right? Yeah, a few years ago, just a few. Um, just the fact that I, the first time I heard her, I, she made me hungry for God's word and, and to grow in that. And I, on my way here, I was listening to one of her CDs just because her passion is contagious. And so we're excited about her coming to the Memphis area and the fact that over 9,000 women are going to come together for or Friday night, Saturday morning session. So that's next Friday and Saturday. It is. It's um, the 22nd, 23rd. I'll let you come in, Eleanor. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> right. <laughs> and where? At, it, it's where? at the FedEx Forum. Oh. Oh, okay, at the FedEx Forum. Yes. Gotcha. Yes. You, you could get about 18,000 girls in there. Exactly. <laughs> that's what we'd love to have. But it looks like we'll have closer to nine, maybe 10,000 really? ladies. Nine yes. or 10,000. Do you still have tickets? We still have tickets. And yes. how would someone get a ticket? They can go online and get it at www.lifeway.com and go to events. And there's a Bethmore event there. And they can find Memphis and they can do it that way. Excellent. Yeah. I'll They're tell you what, all- guys, I want to talk some more about this. And I want to talk about some of the, the prayer strategies, Leslie, some of the things that you do as your job as the city coordinator. But let's take a quick break. Uh, check out what's going around town, traffic and weather. See how the stock market is doing in New York since it's been open almost 20 minutes. But we will be right back with Eleanor Moskowitz and Leslie Hollowell. Welcome back to Talk Money here on AM 990. We're joined in the studio by Leslie Hollowell and Eleanor Moskowitz. Ladies, we're talking about the Beth Moore event coming up next week. And, Leslie, I want you to talk a little bit about what you do as the city coordinator and about some of the prayer strategies you have for the event. All righty. Thank you. We actually have been in the planning mode of this for almost a year now. So one of our things is just getting churches involved, being able to equip women to help promote. And Beth's heart this year has really been for she's always had women Bible Christian women coming up underneath her and she's helped grow them. But her heart is really this year to not only get you as a Christian woman, but bring someone who has never heard of Jesus Christ. Who's never. So our our goal this year has really been to get out into the, um, the Memphis area and, and help equip women who are not equipped. One, let me say this one quick way as y'all are talking about giving Lifeway has given away over probably 400 tickets to different ministries. The Mariah house, Leah's house, lots of ministries all over the city of Memphis have gotten free tickets to get these women there. So that is fantastic. We're excited about that. And I'm going to let Eleanor talk about some prayer, prayer strategies. Okay. Eleanor, Miss yes. Moskowitz. Yes. Thank you. Um, obviously prayer is the most important thing because we need um, the Lord behind this and honoring it. So right. prayer has been a huge thing. And we have taken several different ways to do that. And um, one of them is we send um, an email each week with a prayer, specific verse to pray that we've been sending out in our network, which it goes out all over. And um, so we have that. We have our um, our key verse is is Titus 3, 4 through 7. And so we have everyone setting their alarm, their clock for 347. So at 347, it goes off and everyone stops and prays for the event. So that's a, oh, that's a daily thing. And then we've... Um, Dayspring has donated 10,000 cards for us, and we have given these out, and we are handwriting handwriting personal notes to every lady that comes in. You know, in this day and age where everything's email, 
Um, mm. Texting, you hardly get a handwritten note. That's so each exactly lady's right. going to get get one that says you've been prayed for and a verse wow, and something great. and an encouragement. But we've also had churches and businesses um, adopt a section, and even Shoemaker Financial has adopted a section. You know, every Monday morning, right. we pray for our section, and so that is a way that we're getting um, churches and businesses involved where they're personally praying specifically for someone. So it's just a really neat. I, I love our core team met at the very beginning. And one of the things Leslie came up, we took the acrostic of Memphis, and she made it as making every moment prove he is Savior. And so that's been our goal, is that every moment from the beginning planning stages to clear the very end, is that we want um, Memphis to know that we have a Savior that they can have, that can give them hope, those who are hurting and um, needing hope. And so that's really neat. So there's many different ways, but those are just a few key things. We also are having, on Thursday, a prayer walk down at the FedEx Forum. Anyone can join us. Um, We're going to go inside and actually pray over every seat in the auditorium um, that God would meet that need that comes in that seat because every woman has a need in some some fashion, form, whatever it may be, they have a need. And so we're praying that God will meet that specific need. So that's um, a neat way that they can come and and pray over it. So it's at 10 o'clock on Thursday. You can come. Um, Last night we have, I've got so many things. Last night we had um, a prayer call in. And ladies called in. We had them calling in from Denver, from um, Nashville, from uh, Kentucky, you know, just all over Indiana. That's right. And um, we had our special prayer time just for the event. So we did that last Thursday. We're going to do it again next Thursday. So that's great. Prayer is so important. It really is. Jeff, I'm a little bit upset. Do you think we can sneak in? I don't know. (laughs) Actually, we do have something for the men, too. We don't want to leave you guys out. But during the event, we are asking men. They're going to be prayer walking around the event. And we're going to have actually... um, uh, prayer sheets for them to pray for, specific names to pray for. We've asked ladies to send first names only so that we can pray for specific ladies that are coming in. But we're going to have the men prayer walking. We just know that we the enemy's out to, to he, he doesn't want what's going to happen because it's going to be exciting what God does. And so to have our men behind us and around us and protecting us, um, I think it's awesome. So you guys can get involved in that way, too. Well, you know, every Monday morning, as you say, the guys at the office outnumber the girls about four to one. That's and right. yet, so when that prayer time comes on every Monday morning, mm-hmm. we're still holding up that section. And us guys are really praying. That's right. I appreciate that. And I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, praying over every seat. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. That's, don't take this the wrong way. You got eighteen thousand seats to pray over because you don't which those nine thousand women are going to sit in. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So we're going to be busy. And we can use help. So and tell everyone one more time how they can get tickets. They can actually get tickets at the door. That might be the easiest at this point. But you can also go online and get them and um, at www.lifeway.com and go to events and find the Memphis event with Beth Moore and you can get them there. There's actually a few tickets still available if you're at close to Bellevue Baptist Church in the women's ministry. You okay, great. There. Great. What a fantastic event. Sounds Thank good. you both so much for coming in and sharing that with Thank us. You. Thank you. This is very exciting, Jeff. I am never out of my chair. And if you're watching us on the Internet, I am standing, standing up. That's up. exciting stuff. <laughs> really is good. Well, we've had a great show today. I want to thank all of our guests. Rob Clement uh, did a phenomenal job explaining to us about the five uses of money in charitable giving. Cleo Holder, who actually called in from San Francisco and talked about what his clients go through. Jeff, having you in the studio again, I've enjoyed that. Thank you so much for helping us with that. Enjoyed being here. Join us next week when we will help you make the most of your money. Jim Shoemaker and Keith Quinn are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services Incorporated. Securities dealer member FINRA SIPC, a registered investment advisor, Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated.